And this is going to be the biggest crash in world history. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. With inflation driving the cost of living higher, real wages falling behind, and financial assets having one of their worst years ever so far, it's a tough time to build wealth right now. And it's likely to get even worse, says today's guest, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the number one best-selling personal finance book in history. Robert's also just finished a new book, The Capitalist Manifesto, and joins us today to both warn us about more challenging times ahead and to inspire those paying attention to prosper in ways most of today's investors are unaware of. Robert, thanks so much for coming on the program. Adam, Adam, it's my pleasure. And uh, we're just laughing, you know, when we were setting this up. You and I are now the senior citizens of this whole thing. And <laughs> it's been, you guys, for those of you listening in, Adam and I are not new guys. I mean, I've watched all these new guys on YouTube and I'm going, oh my God. I mean, and the good thing about being older is you have some history behind you, right? Well, we do. We do. And like I said, uh, when we were, before we turned the uh, recording on here, Robert, you know, you've, you, you've seen the sizzle being sold so many times in your life that you can smell the snake oil, you know, from a mile away. So it was you and Chris and then uh, Richard Russell. Remember that? Because 20, 20 something years ago, Richard was warning us. You and I were the new guys, the kids with, with Chris. But I'm going to say this. One of the things I remember from you and Chris saying was this. If you have a football stadium and it starts to fill up with water, was it one, one drop at a time? When do the people in the stands find out it's too late? Yeah. And the answer to that, so it was that magic eyedropper that, that you squeeze out one drop and it doubles in size every minute. Yeah. And uh, depending on how you calculate the volume of the stadium, it's something like 50 minutes. Yeah. And, and this is like a Yankee stadium size stadium. Yeah. But to your question, the, the point at which the people can see the field beginning to fill up with water, you know, and, and notice that there's going to be a problem. I think it's at 45 minutes. So only five minutes to go that just the infield is covered by like three feet of water. And you go from just being able to see a little of it to the entire thing being filled up in just five minutes. And the whole point of that is with, with exponential functions, like so many of the problems we face are, by the time you can actually see the problem, it's way too late to actually avoid it. At that point, your choices are really just about how you're gonna manage this thing that's about to slam into you. Got it. So being the old guys, like I was talking at the gym records about the value of being old guys now, because he was long-term capital and all that stuff. You know, We've seen it, done it. And um, the, the story is always the same like that. What's her name? Kathy? Kathy Wood from ARC. ARC. Yeah. And they all say the same thing. This time it's different. This is the new economy. So Adam, as the old guys, and using your metaphor of Yankee Stadium, filling up with the magic eyedropper, how many minutes are left? Oh, great. Well, Robert, this is supposed to be an interview of you, um, but uh, it... it, 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 it in terms of things like when we're going to have to um, really deal with the the repercussions of the just tremendous and excessive amount of debts that we've built up in the system that are basically, um, you know, we, we, we pulled so much of tomorrow's prosperity into today, stealing it from future generations. We've been trying to avoid those repercussions over the past many decades by money printing and kicking the can as far as we can financially. 
I honestly think we are in, you know, I think we're in those final five minutes. I think we can certainly see the infield is filling up with water. I would say it's more than three feet deep at this point. Um, now, is it going to be two years or 10 years? It's probably going to be, I would say, maybe a little closer to 10 than two, but it could be anywhere in that in that window. And uh, it's funny you ask me this because I just recorded an interview yesterday with Luke Groman. that was pretty much on this exact topic. And um, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is going to be a default on our obligations. And the question is, is are they are we going to default because we're just going to let we're going to stand back and let the debts collapse, which was sort of the deflationary austerity side of things? Or are we going to inflate our way out by just printing so much money to meet the debt obligations, we just kill the currency. And if you had to force me to choose between one of those two, I would pick the latter. I think politically inflating is always the more preferential way, even though you get to the same destination at the end. Right. So again, there's an advantage of getting older, so I'm saying, and Jim Records and I were just laughing our butts off, you know, like, we've heard all this before. But we're down to the last four minutes. And the question is, are you going to keep doing the same thing? I think that's our question today. And I just, I was just listening to your podcast with Peter Bogfar. Oh, Bogfar. thanks. He's, that was a great interview. Smart He's guy. the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, Robert, you know, I don't, I don't select for philosophy when I bring somebody on this show. Um, I, I try to select for people who have an empirical basis for their macro views. Um, but it's amazing that I would say, you know, the vast majority of people that I bring on the show share our same concerns here, uh, yeah. even though I'm not selecting for it. But the people that actually crunch the data, you know, use history as a, as a guidepost um, and, and are capable of empirical thought in terms of projecting our current trajectory out. It's pretty hard for them not to come to a similar conclusion at the end of the day. Well, so the reason I'm saying with, you know, YouTube and you know, they're doing a great job of social media. But I'll give somebody else some other ideas how bad this is and why being old might be better, is that we are just coming out of the longest bull run in history, 11 years. Started in 20, 20, uh, 2011. And at 2011, I made the biggest fortunes of my life because that was the uh, MBS, mortgage-backed securities and the CDO crashes, the real estate crashed. And I backed up the truck and I borrowed $300 million to buy the best real estate all across the Southwest. Now, and there's other guys like, uh, I forgot the guy says live debt free. You know, and there's a billion ways to go to heaven. Living debt free is not one of them. But this is the point I want to make is that while listening to all of this stuff, what Christine Lagarde said, what did Christine Lagarde say? When they interview with Peter Bokvar. Uh, so very recently, uh, I think you're referring to, correct me if you're thinking of something else. Oh, oh, sorry. I know what you're saying. You mean the whole, like, when it gets serious, you have to lie. You got to lie. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and but the, the thing is not only that I'm watching all these young guys, you know, they entered the biggest bull market, the longest bull market in history. You know, they're walking around in diapers in 2008. And now they're on YouTube with their channels and they're talking about this, they're talking about that. They've never seen a crash. And this is going to be the biggest crash in world history. And these guys are giving advice. So it's my way of saying to your audience, find out how old they were when they were wearing diapers. <laughs> 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 
Well, that's a great filter. And look, Robert, I, I've known you for a long time. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we go way back. We, we've gotten old together, although you got a couple years on me, but weirdly, I'm a lot whiter in my beard and you look a lot younger. So clearly you're doing something much better than I. Only my hairdresser knows for sure. <laughs> Run that old Clairol ad. But, but, you know, one of the things that I learned about you early on, and I think most folks kind of know your backstory if they've read your book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they know you were in the military and all that. But you are, you are a huge student of history. Yeah. Um, you, you're a voracious reader. Uh, you, you partner up to big thinkers like Buckminster Fuller. Um, so not only have you lived a long time and, and done very well for yourself with the decisions that you've made, but you've based a lot of your decision-making on the shoulders of giants. Um, you, know, you really understand what has happened in previous cycles before you were even born, right? So when you, when you said it, my point is, I don't think you're taking it lightly when you're saying you think that the biggest crash in history is ahead of here because you have a pretty expansive knowledge of history. Right, and be careful who you're taking advice from. How old are they? Because this is the largest, longest bull market in history. And a lot of, I look at some of these young kids you know, and I, I own I own some Bitcoin, I own some Ethereum, but they're all saying the same thing. This time it's different, you know, and Bitcoin's crashed. But talk about study. Look at this book here. This is my friend, J. J. Red Griffin. That's study. Yeah. I wanna, and and so then I went I went and sought out G. Edward Griffin and I sat down with him. And, and interesting, we met at Jekyll Island in I think South Carolina. Oh, is, is that actually where you met him at Jekyll? And for folks that don't uh, know Jekyll. I, I, yeah, he had, he had a conference there and I said, I'm gonna check him out at the very place where the Federal Reserve Bank was created. And you know, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank, I can't believe that. I mean, people say, don't fight the Fed and all this. Well, my question to everybody is this, can the Fed print oil? Can the right. Fed print gas, I mean, gasoline? Can it print food? But everybody sits there and they've been brainwashed by Wall Street to go do as the Fed tells you to do. Well, you gotta be kidding me. Those guys are the three stooges, Janet Yellen, Biden and Powell. You gotta be kidding me. Why would you listen to them? You know? Well, it's a great point. We talk a lot in this program about if you look at the track record of the, of the Fed uh, you know, as a forecasting agency, I mean, they're they're almost they're almost perfect in their record of being inaccurate, right? And, and oftentimes wildly so. You're a very kind from a Adam, policy standpoint. Adam, yep. Adam, you're always a gentleman. I call them liars. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> another thing about you, Robert, that that most folks probably already know, but you're an extremely straight shooter. Um, but the point is, is is you know when you look that's at their if you look at their words, if you look at their actions, they've also got a great history of policy error after policy error. And I think right now you can make well, you can say we're, we're in the current state we're in right now because of policy errors, but I think they're in the process of making another one, which is, you know, tightening extremely into a fast flowing economy. And I think that they are going to, just like they eventually created the inflation they were looking for, but just got way too much of it. I think they're going to get the same demand destruction they're looking for just way too much of it again. So yeah, to your point, why anybody really puts any faith in what those guys say? I don't the know. thing out of being old, you know, because I remember Volcker saying it's going to crush. So he raised interest rates, right? So, so Powell is now channeling the spirit of Volcker. And, you know, when Volcker crushed inflation, debt to GDP was 30%. And today it's 125% if you believe the numbers. 
Right. So if he channels Volcker, another thing about history will tell you this, there's never been a soft landing. It's more Fed talk. Right, right. And, and I think the big debate, at least on my channel with the experts I bring in, is does Powell have the backbone to be a Volcker here? Because to your point, with so much debt out there right now, the system can't take higher rates the way that it could back when Volcker was doing this. And so you're really putting the entire stability of, of the entire system at risk here. And to the big question is, 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 is it all bluster, right? And, and we could go back and forth on this today, Robert, but the, the short answer is we're not gonna have too long to find out. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, be careful the age of the person you're listening to, because most of these guys on YouTube today were in diapers in 2008. Right. And, and they just don't have the basis for history of this. And, and honestly, you know, we're, we're in an inflationary regime. I mean, Robert, when's the last time you had to invest for inflation? I mean, that was decades ago. Right. I mean, there, so many of, of investors over the past couple of decades had this wonderful sort of disinflationary period. You've been in real estate. Real estate's had a phenomenal tailwind at its back. Um, so the point being is, is the people who uh, are, quote unquote, presenting themselves as experts today, their entire musculature may be, may be developed during an era that's not going to apply going forward. We're entrepreneurs. We're not just real estate guys. We're entrepreneurs. We start businesses. You know, we own businesses. And, the, and this market crash, I may, I've made more money in the last three years in my whole life. And so that's what I want to talk about with you today is that there's other ways of looking at investing, you know, but to think that Powell is going to save you when, as you may know, the reverse repo market is running at $2 trillion a day today. Right. Two trillion a day, and people are listening to Powell. You got to be kidding me! <laughs> and, and look at Janet Yellen. Oh my God! I think she was on the Monsters or something like that in that old TV show. <laughs> but it is crazy. I mean, Powell, Powell was saying in one side of his mouth, the economy is very strong. There's no worry about recession, right? And then you've got all these extraordinary emergency measures going on in the repo market. So, all right, I'm, I, I want to take it exactly where you want to take it here, Robert. So, you know, another way to say what you're saying is, is hey, look, um, uh, we may need a different playbook going forward for wealth building. Um, and you, as you just said, uh, are having a lot of success right now. And, and one of the things that, that I see you doing, and feel free to take this any direction you want, but you are not buying claims on assets the way that people do in the stock market or whatnot. You are buying the assets directly. Correct. I own no stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. I do not touch paper. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I say people have been brainwashed by the Fed, the Treasury, and um, the, whatever those guys are. Go to school, get a job, pay your taxes, get a high paying job. Um, and invest for the long term in the well diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. It was in 1974 when I came back from Vietnam, a two tour Marine helicopter pilot. I saw communism at work. It was not pretty. And I come back in 1974, they passed ERISA. ERISA stands for 401k right now or IRA. And I went, oh my God, they're funneling my generation, the boomers, into the stock market. And they don't know anything about money. And in 1974, the biggest exodus, Adam, was school teachers suddenly becoming financial planners. I watched that with horror. Ah, interesting. I watched it in horror. That's, that's the poor leading the blind. And today we have baby boomers 
who are hoping the stock market stays up in their 401k just as social security goes bust. You think that's an accident? That's all I'm saying. I'm just a Marine. I'm a dumbass Marine Lieutenant, you know, flew the gunship, went down three times. But today I listen to this bullshit and I go, oh my God, how can we be that stupid? Because they went to school, we did as we're told, don't fight the Fed, do as the Fed tells you, invest in the long-term on well-diversified portfolio stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and don't worry, Powell is now channeling Volcker. When the debt to GDP is at 120%, you gotta be kidding me. All right, so uh, I just had a long discussion with Lance Roberts this past weekend on sort of the horrible state of financial literacy in this country. So that's the world that you live in, Robert, in terms of trying to help sort of re-educate people yes. here. It's a big focus of your books. It's a big focus yeah. of your conferences and whatnot. So let's do a little re-education right here. What do I do? Interview. Let me tell you what I do. Okay, okay so start me, there. So when they were dropping the interest rates, I thought I died and went to heaven because I would, I'd buy, a, I'd buy apartment houses. I own 13,000 apartment houses. Every time the Fed dropped the interest rates, it, it, it jacked the value of my properties up, but I also improved the properties and I refinance out. So today I own no money in any of my properties, 13,000 units, all throwing cash. But right. that's- and, 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 Sorry, let, let me just underscore here too. So a big factor of what you look for in an investment is cash flow. Cash flow, positive. Yeah, positive cash flow. So I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure people yeah. realize that that's it's, going to be a common theme of what you talk about here. It's also called an infinite return. And but the other thing too is Rich Dad is a brand now. And I got hammered by the New York Times. <clears throat> Came out 25 years ago, just the time I met you. I mm -hmm. got hammered. So you don't know what you're talking about. I said, maybe you don't. Well, I have a I have I have a master's degree, I have a PhD. I said, that's what I mean. You might not know what you're talking about. Because Rich Dad never went to school. But my poor dad was a PhD, which stood for poor, helpless, and desperate. And he was <laughs> He was in charge of labor unions. He was pro-tax. He was pro-tax to rich. Sounds like ALC to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm listening to this. I'm going, my family. Oh, my God. So in 1965, I leave Hawaii where I went to school. <clears throat> I go to school in New York, and my economics teacher is a, is a West Point graduate who flew B-17s in World War II. And instead of having us read Malthus and Ricardo and uh, Malthus, he had us read Marx, um, Stalin, and Mao. And the theory at military school is know your enemy. So I understand, <clears throat> I understand Marx fairly well, the Communist Manifesto, 1848. And so that was 1965, 1966, my first trip to Vietnam. I'm carrying bombs to Vietnam on a victory ship sailing out of San Francisco Harbor. And uh, then I saw communism first. And I went, oh my God, I could see the future that we're, we're eventually overrun by communists. And so in 1930, the Frankfurt School out of Germany, which is Marxist institution, sent teachers to Columbia University's Teachers College in 1930. That was stage one of communism. And then they had to, they had to influence our academics first. And so when I came back from Vietnam, this time I was a Marine pilot and I was flying gunships in Vietnam. As you know, Adam, I was greeted at Norton Air Force Base spit on, hit with eggs, all yeah, these yeah. Woodstock generation hippies. I'm going, I said, man alive, I fought for you guys. And I lost so many friends and we're all Marine. The saddest days of my life is standing on the deck of my aircraft carrier and my friends don't come back. I never see them again. Their aircrafts are shot down. They're still MIA. 
And I got sped on, hit by eggs and all this stuff. But that woke me up. So I started studying more what is happening in America. So as I said, I use debt now to get rich. And then I invest in hard assets. So that's what we can talk about. My point of view here is, ladies and gentlemen, I would question what you've been taught from school. That's all I'm saying. Right. And, and for those that for those have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they totally get that comment. For those that haven't, first, you should go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It really is one of the best onboarding books for kind of opening your mindset in terms of uh, how to look at the world um, of, of wealth building. It, there's a reason why it's the number one best-selling personal finance book in history. Um, but Robert, so, you know, one of the things that I've really taken from you, and, and, and I already just sort of emphasized this earlier, is your big focus, it's, A, it's very practical, right? And so you don't get caught up in these crazy narratives. It's all very, pre for you, it's all just how things pencil out. But you, you have your focus on cash flow, meaning so much of what, so much of the way to get wealthy for the past several decades as the central banks have been intervening um, and just you know, pushing the cost of money lower and the cost of asset prices higher is everybody has looked at appreciation. And it's, it's easy to feel brilliant in that type of environment. Right. Right? You can almost th close your eyes, throw right. a dart and whatever right. you hit you know, is gonna do well, right? right? But cash flow is eternal, right? The, 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 those, those appreciation returns are ephemeral because they're totally tied to what monetary policy is, which, which can change on a dime at times like it is right now, right? What you are doing is you're doing a way that builds wealth over time in good times and in bad. And I think, we don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think the type of environment you think we have ahead of us, just literally in the next year plus, cash flow is going to become much more important it's in that environment. Is that true? It's everything. But listen, listen to, to this part about it is, is what you're talking about. I think you're the guy that said it. They said in a bull market, even idiots feel smart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, absolutely. I, I think that's one of the best sayings I've ever heard because I'm listening to all these idiots, you know, after 2011, you know, the market crashed in 08 because the repo market went bad. And the repo market is the, the credit, the credit of uh, Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns was bad. And they, so they hammered that. Anyway, it's a long story. My friends are all inside that world. But then when it came back out, they just started pumping money, just like you said about Christine Lagarde, you know, you said start lying. And, and what they did was they, they kept printing more money to save a bad economy. It was already crashing again in 2011, but they kept printing money. And, and, and today we're gonna pay that price. That's why when I, when, when I met you and uh, Chris Martinson, I said, well, how many, how, how many more, how many droppers does that magic dropper have? <laughs> right. And I'll be I'll be totally honest, more drops than I thought at that time when we first met yeah. each other. Um, they, they are able they have a real talent for kicking the can a little bit further than we think they're they're possibly able to. But I, I do think right now they are beginning to bump into some sort of immovable limits here. And again, we'll, we'll find out pretty soon whether that prediction is right or not. So, Robert, let's let's get into some of the things that you are actually really right. focused on right now in buying. I know you sent me a couple of examples, but but walk through them in any way you like. I, I use debt because debt is tax free money. So every what I did was I rehab my apartment, 13,000 of them. I just kept buying more with the cash flow and I'd refinance out as interest rates drop. So I'm in good shape now Then I took them. Then I set all interest rates right now. So I use debt 
And who's that guy that says love that phrase? Well, that's his opinion. I don't do that. I right. love that. So folks are going to ask me to push back on you a little bit. So I'm going to do so right, right here, where that strategy has worked great um, with rock bottom interest rates on debt and housing prices that have been you know, jumping year after year, just 20 percent in the past year alone. Right. We're now suddenly at a place where the cost of a mortgage has doubled in less than the past year, probably still going higher. And we're beginning to see signs that the housing market is, is quickly cooling here. Does, does that change in any way, the way in which you look at the real estate market going forward? You said, Adam, it's about cash flow. Okay. So, so started, but it, it makes the penciling out of the cash flow much it's more It's got to make sense. Yeah. I don't flip houses. Remember all those guys were flipping? Oh, everybody flipped. Yeah. No, they were stupid. Stupid. When the moment you flip, you have a tax consequence. I never flip. I finance out this tax-free money. And, and not, not only that, is when I started investing, I had to invest at 12% interest rates. Okay, so you, you started this model back when interest rates were a lot higher than we are right now. And that's why I said being an old guy has its advantages because these guys are crying the blues at what, 5%? Oh, give me a break. Move, <laughs> move to Gilligan's Island and play the ukulele or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, so, so just to put words in your mouth and correct them any way you like, you still like real estate as an investment for all the reasons that you you discuss in your books. In pre, I, I, we just don't I, have time to go into the whole shebang here. Me. I, but, but, Adam, but what, I don't like but, real estate. I like debt, and I like I don't pay taxes. Okay, you like debt and not paying taxes, but yeah, you like the vehicles that kick off the cash flow. Yeah, no, because every time I I borrow more money to float my properties, there's three types of tax breaks. I got appreciation, depreciation, and amortization. So I zero out. So my cost of money is my tax on, on debt is zero. And I use that tax, appreciation, depreciation, amortization, it's all in which that poor debt to offset tax in my income. Great. So let, let me let me just decode this briefly and correct me in any way, shape here. But for folks that aren't familiar so much with these terms, you buy an asset that's cash flowing. Let's just assume for a second it's real estate. Um, you you get to claim depreciation on that, which, yep, go ahead. I buy real estate to offset my income from my businesses. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna, let, let me get into that too. Okay, so when you buy this asset, this real estate asset, you have the ability to depreciate costs against it. And because real estate is a special asset in certain ways, you sometimes can qualify for, for depreciating a, a lot of the, the lifetime costs of that business in the first few years. So what you're able to do is basically show a tax loss, even though you might own a property that is paying you a lot of cash flow. And Robert's saying not only can he use that depreciation to shield the cash flow of that that real estate building, he can apply that to other assets, I, other income that he's getting from, from other assets. Businesses. Yeah, exactly. a book. Let me give everybody. I want. I'm not an accountant, so my accountant is named Tom Wheelwright. He wrote the book Tax Free Wealth. Tax-free wealth. He's a CPA. He's one of the leading tax guys in the world. You should interview him because he'll explain it better than I do. But I don't have any plans on going to jail and dancing the hula for some guy. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> I'd rather stay out of jail and make money. So I make, let's say I make a million dollars in, let's say, a rich dad. I'm, I, have to, I have to buy a $4 million apartment house for the app for, and I use 100% debt to acquire the apartment house. 
then uh, appreciation, depreciation, amortization wipes out my income from my business. Great. All right, folks. And, and what I want to say too here, just as Robert is highly experienced at this, um, yeah. his model, he has learned how to do it, you know, over decades. Um, don't just rush out necessarily and buy a property with 100% debt, but read his books. Uh, definitely read Tom's book and, and we'll Actually, put the, the cover to it up there when you when you mentioned there when we edit this, uh, Robert, so folks can, can read it because Tom is a, he's a, a genius when it comes to real estate accounting. The guy is a genius, you know. Okay, so let's let's talk specifically about one of your recent real estate investments. Um, you just purchased a large four-story uh, senior living facility, and there's a reason why I emphasize the four-story part of it. So can you can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this, it's a four-story building on Camelback. Trump took a run at it. You know, I said Trump and I are good friends, but he took a run at it, but he couldn't get the zoning change because of this charming personality. Naturally, everybody shut him down. <laughs> so I got I got the bill. I got the whole property when it was still another property. I tore the prop, former property down, and I got it rezoned from three stories to four stories. And instead of putting an office building in, I built a place for a, a luxury old age home for, and I'm going to be the first tenant. <laughs> <laughs> Well, some so things that are important about the that picture is, is up there, but you know how much I paid for that property? How much? I have no money in the deal, no cash. And that's what I teach. Okay. And, and sorry, just to deconstruct that, that's because you borrowed the full amount to buy it and do the construction. Um, but no, 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 no. The, bu the building was a, um, it was a 24 hour fitness but I bought it because it was a triple net, which meant the tenant paid for everything. So all I needed to do was I, I borrowed $25,000 off of my house. I put it into the property, triple net. I got, I got 50,000 a month back off of it. I amortized, my, I got my 25,000, I borrowed out. So I was, I was zero cash or equity in the property. And then 25 years later, I tear it down and they put up this four-story building because the, the zoning changed because you have to yeah you have to tip your politicians as you know what I'm talking about <laughs> campaign contributions. All right, like I said, Robert's a practical guy here, folks. Okay, so keep yeah. going. I do everything legally. I'll say it again. I don't want to dance with hula in some jail. You know what I mean? I do it legally. I've got accountants, got attorneys, but that building is up, and they pay my estate. And my my wife and I we we're going to roll all of our money into a, a fund, you know, a foundation, and we'll pay it forward for the rest beyond when we're dead. We're giving all the money back. We're not keeping anything. We don't have kids. So everything we do is using the tax law and corporate law to give back to society. Great. And one thing that's probably important to note here too, is that real estate is one of the most tax favored uh, asset classes out there, right? I mean, well, it's, it's, called, it's also called component depreciation. What that means is because it was a health club, I got to depreciate the carpets, the toilet, I mean, the toilets, the gym equipment. It was, it was a massive tax hemorrhage. It was fabulous. Wow. Okay. And there was one other thing you told me about this too, which is, so it sounds like you bought the building, you know, 25 years ago, relatively recently, you reconstructed it to be this senior living facility. And you said that that fourth story added 50% of the value 
uh, onto the actual market value of the building. Can you just explain that real briefly? Well, the zoning in the area was three stories. And like I said, Donald and I are good friends and he took a run at it. He was trying to buy me out. So I said, what the hell is he up to, my friend? He said, oh, he's gonna try and change the zoning. I said, oh, well, Donald can do it, why can't I? So I called my city councilman who we made a generous campaign donation to, as you know, the game. And he got it through legally, everything is legal. We got all the neighbors to agree with it. We said, we're putting an old age home here. It's going to be quiet. It's not going to be a rock and roll band in there and all that. They were so happy with us. They let us go through the fourth story, which then caused a bidding war amongst all these developers. Ah, got it. Okay. All right. Makes total sense. All right, great. So I want to, I want to move on. We do it I want to, legally. I want to move on to a couple other types of asset classes you're, you're directly investing in here too. I do want to put a little bookmark, hopefully we can come back to you to talk about how Everything you're building here, you know, generates cash flow, pays for itself, so that eventually you have these fully owned entities that are just pumping out tons of cash. And then when when you and Kim are gone, hopefully someday way in the future, uh, it's going to be this charitable oh. income fountain, basically, yeah. right? and to pass it forward forever. Okay. Um, all right, because I know I know for you the money is not the end; it's the means to the end. So that I want to give you a chance to talk about the means here before we end this this conversation. But recently, you also bought a gold mine. So why don't you talk a bit about that? Well, I've been a gold bug since Vietnam. You know, I, when in 1971, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and in '72, I was in Vietnam. And so I said, "Well, what is gold?" So I flew behind enemy lines because the NVA had overrun the gold mine. And I went back there as a little, I told this a little Vietnamese woman, she was kind of the vending agent for the gold mine. And I, and gold was flowing from 35 to $50 an ounce. So I thought because she's now behind enemy lines, I can probably get it for 40. She looked at me like I was the biggest idiot she ever met. <laughs> you know, she has little red teeth because she chews beetle nuts and two Marine pilots are standing there offering her 40 bucks for an ounce. And she goes, spot. So spot, what's that? Spot. And I'm like, oh my God. Gold is international money. Gold is money. Yeah. gold and silver. So I've I took a I took a gold mine in China public, but the reason I have no love for Chinese food anymore, as soon as it went public, the Chinese nationalized it. They nationalized it. They took it away from you, right? Yeah. So it was a good lesson. You know, I, I haven't it's not been easy, easy street for me. But when they took that gold mine away, I went, what are they going to do next? You know what I mean? Yep. And so this, because I had all that experience, when this gold mine in, in Utah came up, it's a 140-year-old gold mine that's producing. It cash flows gold, 383 ounces per ton. <clears throat> and the reason they couldn't find it was because a real estate guy owned it. And he was going to develop this mine for something. And our, my partner out of Vancouver, British Columbia, went in there with new technology. He says, there's so many veins of gold down here. It's incredible. So a 140-year-old mine in Utah is going public this summer. But it paid off getting screwed by the Chinese because I, I love Chinese food, but I have no love for the Communist Party. You know? Got it. But it, it, you never lost your appreciation. Experience. Yeah, you never lost your appreciation for the value of gold. I know you're a big sound money yes. guy. Um, and probably the Chinese experience really gave you you know, a, a lesson in rule of law is really valuable when you need to count. And, and, and my concern as a Marine pilot, I think they're going to go after Taiwan. That's the, that's the horrifying thought to me. 
All right. Um, which, yeah, which, which is right now, you know, it's, it's, it's a hotly debated issue and I, I, I hope to God you're wrong. Um, but totally understand, uh, the, the concern. And and like I said, the, the, the risk is high enough that we should all be worrying about it. We'll put it that way. Um, all right. So that's the gold mine. Now, um, you're also investing in some living capital, and I'm thinking specifically about the cattle that you've recently uh, invested in. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the Fed cannot print beef. <laughs> so I started, well, the food, if they, you know, when, when Biden took, I also own oil, oil wells, because when Biden took the, X, the Keystone XL pipeline off, my oil I was selling from the ground which is a tax break also, went from $30 a barrel to $130 a barrel. Today it's like 120. Yeah. But I'm like, oh my God, this guy Biden is going to bankrupt us. I'm not saying him, but there's somebody who wants to bankrupt because oil is the lifeblood of civilization. I, went to, I worked for Standard Oil of California as a tanker officer when I graduated from school. I understand oil. I was on the Alaska pipeline and all this. I'm like, he's screwing us. So when he raises inflation, the poor and middle class will go broke. And that was just done as soon as he, he was being done before he took office. And so I'm looking at this, this guy's gonna sell America down the drain. I'm not saying it's him, but somebody wants us to go broke. And I'm watching this going, oh my God, so what else can I, so I have oil wells, I get tax breaks for those. Because I don't invest in oil stocks. I work for Standard Oil, but I don't invest in Standard Oil. I invest in the oil on the ground. I'm a wildcatter. Everybody says, don't do it. I don't recommend it, but I like doing it. Because my gold mines don't do it. I like doing it. But the biggest thing of all is food. And so my friend who has a school system in California, he had to, he had to run from California because he got tired of being in the People's Republic of California. So he moved to Wyoming and bought this huge ranch. And he says, oh my God, I never knew there was so much money in Waigu cattle. I went, what? So he and I, he, so I got the, I was up in Wyoming inspecting this Waigu bull. And the good thing about it is some real Japanese Waigu bull. There's American Waigu bulls and Japanese Waigu bulls. But for some reason, you know how brands are, Waigu is a brand like Ford or Chevy, Waigu beef. So I, I stood up on stage the other day. I said, well, I've always wanted to be a Japanese breeding bull. But I bought a bull instead of nobody <laughs> laughed. <laughs> so every every time that bull has sex, you know what I'm talking about? A breeding bull. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, he's out there it's, making it's, more, more, more cows like him. Yeah. You had you had you had cattle too, didn't you? Briefly, yes. I was a yes. co-owner in a in a, a cattle uh, CSA, yes. Yeah. So I don't want to own the cattle, I just want to own the semen. Yeah. <laughs> well, but there's, as you're saying, there's a lot of money in that, right? And at the end of the day, it's because you're producing something that is fundamental, right? It's, it, it's, it's food, right? It's protein, it's beef. Yeah. And, and anybody that's been to the market over the past year has seen the price of beef just skyrocket. Same way they've seen the price of, of oil and, uh, and even gold over the, if you, if you look back over the past year and a half, you know, gold's gone up a fair amount too. So one of the things that I, I wanted people to take away from this discussion, Robert, is it's harder to do what you're doing. Let's be direct about that, right? You're, you're a highly successful man. Not everybody uh, is, gets easy access to buying an oil well or buying a gold mine or whatnot. Um, 
But two, oh, there's two things I want them to take away from this. And you add anything else in there you want. One is um, that uh, you know you are saying, look, I am I am trying to get as close to owning the, the direct wealth as possible, right? I'm not I'm not going through a claim. I'm not going through a company if I can avoid it. I want to own the actual underlying hard asset itself. Um, and then secondly. You know, while it's harder, it's not impossible, right? I mean, there, there are lots of private placements out there where people can buy into an oil well or buy into a gold mine or whatnot. And I've talked to a number of people on this channel, just to mention a few, um, uh, the guys at Crescent Capital, like Tavi Costa and Kevin Smith there, you know, Rick Rules can recommend some of these things. So it, it's it's not like, you know, don't, don't look at this and say, I could never do that. Um there are options out here to follow in Robert's footsteps. Again, just make sure you do it under the guidance of a financial advisor who can help you determine right. the right. right approach and how much to have in your portfolio and all that, right. all that other stuff. Um, so those were two things I really just wanted to kind of make sure that everybody right. got from this, Robert. Of course, you talked about sort of the, the, the tax benefits as well, but is, is there anything else to sort of your style of investing you'd want to drive home for folks? Well, that's what I'm saying. I started off as a, you and I are now the senior citizens of this world, you know, yeah. saying, and we've heard all the bullshit. You know, I, I call it CNBS, not CNBC. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just cannot believe that garbage those guys pump, pump out. But if they don't say what they don't, if they don't say what, if they said what I said, their sponsors would leave them. Oh, exactly. They're, they're, they're tied to that model, sadly. You know. And, so and I'll also be honest, too. Sponsors just be, the message. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Be careful. Well, and I'll give it's a little inside baseball. So. You did it ever before. Pardon me? There's more opportunity today than ever before, but not if you've been brainwashed into going to school, getting a job, paying taxes, live debt free and invest in the stock market. You know, this bubble right now, Adam, is a bigger bubble than 2008. This is the everything bubble. You know, it's, it's going to be not only stocks, bonds, but also credit. I mean, but it's more opportunity is going to come out of it. Well, and that's that I think that's really worth digging into for a second, yes. because um, you see a, a massive price correction coming ahead, right? Biggest crash of our lifetimes. Um, but you were looking at that with some anticipation, you know, some optimism of, hey, that's going to give me a chance to get some great values, right? You, you're, you're not saying the world's ending, we're no. all going to die. You're saying, hey, for those folks that are paying attention here and prudently position themselves, this could be one of the, the gateways to one of the best futures around. And that's what I'm saying. Be careful who you listen to, because your best asset, but also your biggest liability, are the ideas in your head. And be careful who puts them there. I've All had, right. Well, Adam, you know how much trouble I've had with the with financial planners and all that. To me, to me, they're the enemy. You know, I'm going. I don't do what you do. I go, well, you, well, you, you know. But I said, I like I said in 1974, when every school teacher became a financial planner. I said, that's the poor leading the blind. Right, right. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to interject just for one thing, because this is wealthy on. Um, I, I, I agree with you, um, but it's sort of like there are a lot of bad coaches out there, but a good coach can make all the difference in the world. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and at Wealthion, for those that watch this program, you know, we bring in a few financial advisors every week right. on this program um, because we see the value of having a good coach who actually yes. understands all the yes. issues that Robert's talking about. All right. And you're, yes. you're nodding profusely. So that's good. Correct. Correct. You know, it's like it's, it's like not every preacher is an Elmer. You know, I mean, there's, there's good preachers and bad preachers. 
You know what I mean? But you gotta know who's for real out there. Right, right. Well, and you know, I, I, would maybe, I would maybe even widen the scope a little bit further too, which is to say, you know, be very um, intentional on whom you listen to. Yes. Uh, but also be very intentional on where you get your information from going forward. And I guess those two are pretty related. But g- given that we're going into such a transitional uh, period here, um, you know, like really look at the information sources that you're consuming and, and you know, asking yourself, okay, look, is are these information... Is this information coming from people uh, who A, have lived a longer life and have more perspective, uh, and B, is it being presented to me, hopefully, in an analytical, empirical, non-judgmental way, where they're just letting the data tell the story, or is somebody sort of selling a narrative here, right? And that's to differentiate it from like the CNBCs of the world, right? And on my my advisory team, I have a financial planner. Do you know what I mean? Because we're a simpatico. And we don't sell it. We don't, and I don't sell anything. I just said, this is what we do. But we understand each other very well that there's advice for certain people and all this. But you got to be careful who you listen to. Yeah. And, and sorry to interrupt again. But again, that's another big thing that I've taken from you, Robert, is ever since I've known you, you have built this board of advisors. Right, the, the rich dad advisors, as you call them, and you have them, they're all domain experts, right? So you just mentioned the financial advisor, but I know you have an accountant. Um, you've got a health advisor, you've got a real estate advisor, like basically yeah. every kind of major category where you're making big decisions about with your life, you've sought and filtered and, and picked somebody who's a true domain expert there to be your advisor. So one of the reasons why I think you're super successful, I mean, you're a smart guy who works hard, but I think it's because you have brought together a real powerhouse of informed domain experts to help influence your thinking. Correct. And that's why you and I have been friends for all these years, because we've been saying the same thing. Well, yeah, you've just been saying it's smarter than me. No, but no, we, we haven't changed. No, we all have a, there's a million ways to get the financial hell heaven. Find the way that works for you. But there's also a billion ways to go to financial hell. And a lot of times people listen to the wrong person, you know? Yeah, very well said. Well, look, Robert, we got to wrap it up there. But uh, as we do, I want to ask you two parting questions here. Uh, the first is, I mentioned earlier your new book, uh, The Capitalist Manifesto. Where can folks go get that? Just go to Amazon? Yeah, this, we finally have some paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'll put a URL up to that when we mention it. Um, but also for folks that would like to learn more about you and your work, besides going and reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad as well, uh, where else should they go? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm on YouTube a lot, but uh, the most important thing is really listen to, I, I love what people on YouTube are doing, but I'm careful who I listen to. And that's why I, I asked to be on your program. I'm, I, I make no money, I don't, do, I don't give advice, but Adam and I and Chris, we've been saying this stuff for years. It's how ma- a magic eyedropper and I think we're down to the last few drops right now. That's right. a good time to make changes in your life. Well, very well said. I'll put it in one plug to go to richdad.com where Robert has built a whole empire of financial education. Right. Um, so if you're looking you know, to educate yourself or you've got children or people in your life who you'd like to help, uh, that's a great resource for that. And, and I, I, have a, I have a cash flow board game. It's the only board game that teaches accounting. And the reason the accounting state, the, the financial statement is important is because the financial statement on the cash flow board game is blockchain. 
Everybody's talking about blockchain right now. All blockchain is, is a ledger accounting system with an auditor in it. So in the cash flow board game, it's the auditor that's the blockchain. All right, you know, I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. And for folks that, that aren't familiar with this, Robert actually started, right? You started with yeah. cash flow. Right, you, you you the book Rich Dad Poor Dad kind of grew After. out of your your you know little rule book for playing the cash flow board game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so and then, so th th think of think of like Monopoly, um, yes. but but much more practical. That really sort of teaches you the basics of investing. That's what the whole cash flow game is about, and it really built the entire empire that that Robert's you know run his whole life. But it's so interesting, Robert. You're right. It at its core. It, it basically has a lot of the exact same elements of, of blockchain. It's got income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flow auditor. That's what blockchain does. It's that auditor. And we teach people to audit each other playing the game. Just as I learned to be an investor playing Monopoly for my rich dad, you know, four greenhouses, 1031 tax deferred exchange into a red hotel. And today I own hotels. <laughs> Very true. All right, Robert. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, oh. Look forward to having you back on again, my friend. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank Thanks you for so the, years, the years of friendship. And it's uh, the magic eyedropper is about to drop the last drop. That's what I'm concerned about. And it's going to be right. a good time. All right, my friend. Thanks so much. Everybody else, uh, if you enjoyed having Robert on this channel, uh, like to see other great guests uh, like him on Wealthy on in the Future, please support us by hitting the like button, then clicking on the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Robert, thanks so much again, buddy. Everybody else, thanks so much for watching.